Welcome to Fireside with Foxcake, a podcast for professional public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of foxgig.com, which is an online community and service for speakers and event professionals. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. In this episode, I speak to Simon Gibson. Simon is the founder of World Speech Day, a nonprofit organization that brings new voices to public speaking. World Speech Day happens on March 15th every year, with young people participating in over 90 countries around the world. If you're intrigued and feel you can help, or want to participate, Head over to worldspeechday.com to find out more. All are welcome. Simon is a speechwriter by trade and shares my conviction that speeches really can change the world. Let's light the fire, sit down with Simon, and learn how to craft great speeches. Simon, welcome to the Fireside with Box Gig podcast. Uh, we're delighted to have you uh, talking to us today. Um, unlike most of our guests, you uh, aren't so much a public speaker as a speech writer. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what a speech writer does? What, what did you do? Yeah, well, um, I started off um, career-wise uh, as a scriptwriter, uh, primarily in uh, feature documentaries. Uh, so I, I was used to the sort of um, day-to-day grind of writing and you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and I stumbled into speech writing um, really by chance. Uh, a, a friend of mine um, was working for a senior executive in London and they were having trouble with speeches and he just asked me if I could help. And I, I um, started on one speech and carried on. And I found it was a reasonably good extension of what I was doing in terms of writing uh, scripts for documentaries and uh, you know the the audio script that I, I could sort of feel my way through because of that uh, background um, and uh, so so that's how, how I got into it by accident um, as to what a speechwriter does um, I suppose at the at the sort of one end of the spectrum he articulates the speech in its entirety for his speaker uh, and 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 that's another. It's a, a much more collaborative process, and normally the best work comes from a, a really good collaboration um, between the speaker and the speechwriter, where the speechwriter is primarily doing extensive research into the subject in the background, going to see lots of people across an organisation, for instance gathering all the research in, and then coming back and going through that with the speakers, such that. The speech evolves over a number of drafts. I'm very, I'm very curious about that process. Uh, yeah. I, I do a lot of public speaking myself. I have yeah. to rely on my own, <laughs> the merits of my own thinking. Uh, it seems like a, a, a wonderful luxury almost for a public speaker to, to have someone prepare their speeches for them. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I guess this was um, you know, happening at the 
senior executive end of uh, some large uh, companies. Uh, I work both in-house and freelance. Um, so it is, but then um, two things. First of all, they're pretty busy, so they don't have an awful lot of time to sit down and, and, and write speeches. And secondly, when they're giving a speech, it might be, say, the head of a global bank on, on an environment matter. That's really the company's policy that they're articulating. So it's, it's, it goes beyond just a, a speech, but it is the summation of the company's policy. So you need to be pretty darn sure you're getting it right. And the downside of all this, if you make a mistake as a chief executive, is pretty colossal in terms of even the effect on your share price. So, Well, you have all sorts of fiduciary uh, duties, don't you? Exactly. You, you've got to be, be very careful to get it right, which is why... They can afford the the luxury of beasts like me every now and again. But have they? Ever, I mean, have you ever had uh, chief executives who've been uh, naughty, shall we say, and just grabbed the the uh, piece of paper off you without looking at it and launched into a speech? Um, does that happen? It, it does happen. Um, yeah, they one or two sort of pretend that you've given them these these sort of marvelous pearls of wisdom, and that they're going to stick to the script entirely, and then you you happen to see the speech afterwards and um, the red pen has gone through almost everything you've yep, done <laughs> <laughs> and they've they bolted for cover. Um, so it, that happens. Uh, it really is a very, very individual case by case uh, experiment really. And, uh, and you've got to like the people and they've got to like you. That, that, that's also an important thing. They've got to respect you. They've got to like you and what you do not necessarily just as a writer but you know they get on with you yeah it seems like a very very intimate collaboration um and you also believe uh in in the power of of speeches to change the world uh, have, i mean have you seen that happen with some of the speeches that, that you have written and their delivery and and what happened afterwards well, I probably not in terms of my own. Yeah. Uh, um, where where their sort of their remit was rather rather more um, specific. Um, my my overall, you know, theme of speeches change the world uh, really came about from my work um, putting together a database of contemporary speeches and historic speeches. And the more I did it, the more I felt that this was how important change was was driven and how ideas were shared um and it, it, it's that kind of it was for instance when you when you look at the speeches of the famous speeches of john f kennedy um uh, from his inauguration on what you get the feeling of um say in a speech like um we're going to the moon uh it's it's he's setting out a vision for how he wants the world to be how he how he wants the world to change and he, in that speech, for instance, he uses the phrase, we choose to go to the moon. Uh, it, it's an act of will that he's setting out in his speech that America is going to go off and conquer space. And it's that kind of speech where I believe speeches change the world. That, and in fact, Kennedy said himself, the only reason to make a speech is to change the world. Yeah, and that is a fabulous speech. And it's worth, after this podcast, if you're listening going onto YouTube and, and listening to a recording of that speech because it is, <laughs> it is pretty inspirational. Uh, no, I mean, not just in terms of the text, the, the, the work that the speechwriter obviously did, but in terms of his delivery. And of course, his wonderful Southern drawl, the, the, the accent is, is quite, 
wonderful as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's a glorious. I, you know, his um, his speeches are you know a thing of a great beauty in art. And his brother Robert, you know, they gave great speeches. Uh, Robert speaking on the death of Martin Luther King was a was a tremendous tremendous speech. Um, so so they but they were really well versed in in the Greek. Interestingly, you know, um, you would think that these sort of young, good-looking men from the USA uh, just delivered it naturally, but they were very well read. They were very well educated. They knew about rhetoric. They knew about the skills of rhetoric and and the Greek side of it. So, although they had speechwriters, they were they were very com- accomplished themselves. You know, it, it wasn't an accident. These things were were worked over and written and enormous care went into something like the inauguration speech. Yeah, and I mean, that, that comes back to a theme that we often discuss on this podcast, which is that the, the, the art of, of public speaking is a skill uh, that it can be learned uh, and that it's a fantastically useful skill. Um, and I think that feeds into uh, another wonderful initiative, which, which in fact initially drew me to you and was one of the reasons I invited you to, to join us here on this podcast today, um, which is something that you founded called World Speech Day. Uh, tell us a, a little bit more about that and, and how it got started and, and uh, what the vision there is. Yeah, um, well, in very simple terms, World Speech Day is a day a year, the 15th of March, set aside to celebrate speeches and speech making. Um, and, and it comes back to speeches change the world. It occurred to me that um, if this was right, then what was a way to sort of focus that energy and to, to give it you know, real strength? Um, and so I started World Speech Day really to, to sort of build on, on that idea and to, to bring people into making uh, speeches and public speaking who might not otherwise do so. Um, and to go back to your point, um, I agree wholeheartedly that speech making and, and delivering a speech in public speaking is, is um, a skill that can be learnt. There are ways to improve. There are, you know, in a sense, tricks of the trade that uh, anybody can pick up that, um, you know, that will improve your performance. And, and part of the work of World Speech Day is to, to encourage people to speak and to, to learn these skills. Um, because if you're capable uh, and you can make a speech, you can have a greater effect in your community or your company or or wherever so uh it, it has a, an enormous value um world speech day itself started three or four years ago um just by me reaching out to people around the world who i felt might be interested in collaborating and the first year we had 30 nations the second year 80 and last year on 15th of march 2018 we had well over 100 nations involved in uh, world speech day and organizing events holding public speaking events and and it um it's an idea that's that's you know that seems to be a lot of hunger that's that's really rapid growth any any startup <laughs> i run a startup would be um very jealous of those those growth numbers um they're amazing uh the next one is on march 15th 2019 yes the next one is uh, march 15th 2019 um and we're working very much towards that and we're we're working on um Initiatives that will also be active throughout the year. For instance, World Speech Day Youth is about linking schools across the world using Zoom or Skype to 
link to schools, say, from Mexico to South America. Uh, they make speeches, swap experiences, and they, they sort of engage in a general global learning exercise, which would be very difficult uh, for them without, you know, the ability to share uh, in another country's experience. And if somebody wants to get involved, it's worldspeechday.com. I think that's probably the best way to find yep. it. Yeah. That worldspeechday.com, that's right. And, and um, um, you know, we're just thrilled to, to get people to, to come and, and explore what, in what way they can, can collaborate with World Speech Day. And you, you, have, you have all sorts of um, interesting new plans for it, which we'll return to in a minute. But I want to, I want to put you on the spot uh, for a second. Uh, although you, you've um, written many speeches, you're, you're not too keen on delivering them, I believe. I'm not, no, no. Um, I share the general public um, terror <laughs> of uh, public speaking. Um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, constantly rated as one of the, you know, the fears that we, we all share. And um, I've even been to conferences where very, very uh, accomplished TV personalities and speakers have, have, have also uh, confessed. And that also it's something that... Um, you know, can uh, can come back and haunt you even further down your career. So, um, and do you uh, wish I, I share this worry? Yes. <laughs> well, you see, you, you, it, it's great that you have it because you have a great deal of empathy for many people who are who are just starting out on that on that path. Do, do you wish that you had earlier in your career? Uh, do you wish that you had the, the skill now, or, or are you more? It seems your your creative writing is more your thing. I think because you're also an author. Yes, I, I mean that's how I've started, um, and uh, you know, words words have always been the kind of the central focus for me. Um, I think um, as, I, you know, I, I had a good education, no doubt about that. Um, but I think the one element that would have helped me most enormously was to have somebody talk to me about rhetoric and how to use these simple skills to get better at public speaking, because. If you've got confidence in the way you do it, then you'll have confidence in the delivery. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, when, again, to go back to sort of uh, history, you know, from, from the Greek times all the way up to the 19th century, uh, rhetoric was part of general education. Um, it was. You know, studied rhetoric. Yes, it's a shame uh, that it's, it's lost. It's such a great, such a wonderful skill. Exactly. It was right up there with mathematics because they understood that in order to persuade your fellow citizens, you needed to be good at public speaking. You did. And it, yeah. and it can be done. And I believe it wasn't that the ancient, the, 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 the Romans to enter political life, I, I believe first you had to act as a sort of a barrister for a couple of years, arguing in, in the forum, in this open public space, to prove your ability to, to speak in front of crowds. Um, really, I, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I knew that speech writing as a, as a, and speech making really started with uh, it, with a sort of offshoot of the courts that it became so important to to be able to defend yourself and to, um, to, to you know to put across your argument that's really where the the first speech writers started to get paid by um, people defending themselves in court and that's why they they've had a slightly kind of black hat reputation ever since as bending the truth to, uh, well, to their clients' there's, needs. There's a lot at stake. I mean, there's, there's always a lot at stake um, when it comes to, to, to speaking. Um, if, if I could get your take on a 
recent contemporary speech. Uh, I don't know if you caught the the speech given by uh, Michael Curry at the, the recent royal wedding. Um, I'd, I'd like your take on that if, if you if you've seen it. I did see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I did see it, and I suppose the 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 sort of wonderful thing was that it was completely unexpected. Yes. Um, yes. In in terms of we were expecting a rather staid Archbishop of Canterbury type address, and he just blew it all away. <laughs> uh, and mm-hmm. and with that, he sort of he set the tone for a completely different type of service, a different type of you know approach, almost approach to the monarchy in a way that they. they they were going to be doing things very, very differently. Um, and uh, that kind of power of speaking, of course, is mesmerizing. I mean, he, he, he spoke with such power and passion and all of those sort of, uh, you, you know, uh, spiritual preachers, as it were, seemed seem to have it. And that goes back to, you know, the great Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson and all these people, they speak with an enormous passion. You can see how, how people would, would say that there's, a divine power there nearly that that they're sort of gripped by some sort of uh greater spirit that that gives them that verbal yeah. power um uh, yeah they, they they seem to do it without um without almost thinking you know they're just in the zone yeah it's a great example of of you know different types of speeches for different types of lo- of occasion and and you know that's why I find speeches and speech making so fascinating because it has so many different facets. You know, that speech is a great example of, you know, the unexpected making uh, its mark. I know uh, you're 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 right about the the, the different types of speech. Uh, when I talk, it, it, it's usually uh, with a PowerPoint presentation to back me up. Um, I would be terrified participating in, in World Speech Day directly because it's. It's, it's a more traditional speech where you get up and you speak really without, without the aid of, of, of graphics or slides, um, you know, and you have to deliver a message using the power of your voice alone. Yeah, World Speech Day is, I suppose, more about, um, you know, celebrating public speaking and so having, you know, encouraging people to host an event uh, with very simple sort of technology and to encourage local speakers to stand up and, and give their their th- the theme is thoughts for a better world so to to share their thoughts for how their community can can benefit and change um so world speech day is more about the sort of classical i suppose speaking in front of an audience than you know typically a conference would be where where it's it's more of a multimedia um often and it, and, and i mean one can be quite cynical about commercial conferences but sometimes they also can have a really really big impact um and if anyone is interested in a specific example uh, there's a chap called american chap called ryan dahl who gave a talk i think it was in 2010 uh, about a new piece of technology that subsequently became an, an entire industry in fact an industry that i founded my previous company on uh, called node.js but if you go, uh, you know, if you search for Ryan Dahl, Node.js on YouTube, you'll, you'll find the talk. Um, and I think it's a good example of sometimes the content, the message is so strong that even if the delivery itself isn't strong, and, and this fellow has, has progressed as a speaker, he's much, he's much better these days. Yeah. But in that particular, in that particular talk, um, 
it wasn't a great delivery at all. Um, and yet he still managed to, to literally change uh, a large section of an entire industry. Uh, and I think that's very encouraging. You, you don't have to be a brilliant uh, speaker. You don't have to have all the tricks of the trade to no. make an impact. You know, literally, you just have to step up and, 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 and speak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, uh, I guess there are three, three cornerstones to, to public speaking, um, ethos, pathos, and logos. Yes. And it's either the, you know, the, 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 the emotion of your speech, or it's your own character, or it's the content. And if you bring all three together, fantastic. You know, you make a Kennedy type speech, but, but, you know, if, if you've got something really brilliant to say, and this is the heart of World Speech Day, if you've got something really brilliant to say, don't worry about necessarily, you know, being a, you know, a mesmerizing speaker. Just share your thoughts with other people because that's the way that progress is made. You know, progress is never linear. Your, your conference speech you now is just a great example of that. It's, it comes from unexpected places. And if we can reach out and find people to contribute what we call unexpected voices, then we're far more likely to hit on unexpected progress. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing that, that I think World Speech Day is about, is, is, is finding those unexpected voices. Um, are most of the speeches delivered uh, in English or in, in native tongues? Or how does that work? Because it is in over 100 countries around the world. Yeah, it's developed. Um, the first year, I guess it was much more about delivering in English. Um, it's, it's, it's developed now such that, um, and clearly we, we have no kind of remit on it. It, it can be um, in a native language, in a national language or, or in English or whichever, or very often events mixed so that um, some speeches will be in English um, and others uh, in you know in uh, whatever language is 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 um, prevalent but uh, it, it it's it's really up to the to the speakers yeah you you're quite a it's not like world speech day is the sort of centralized organization is it you are quite distributed you, you know, you're, yeah. you're 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 distributing power outwards towards the local the local communities yeah that's the i think that was it's one of the interesting sort of dimensions of how, why and how world speech day has grown from an idea to uh, events in 100 nations is that you have to let go you have to give it out to other people um, you give people an idea and you let them do it and the more you try to control the less likely it is that you'll grow uh, and i think that's you know it's an interesting lesson in, in how, how things develop it's not about making sure that they've all got the brand guidelines and the logo and they follow a pattern because that's just, you know, atrophy. Yeah. It's, it's more, I mean, you do have a vision of course, but it's more that you provided a spark rather than a, a defined yeah. pathway. Uh, and then I've tried to find people in, in the, in different countries that, that share that and, 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 and they then spread it out themselves. So it's just a classic, um, you know, sort of social media approach really. And you speak about unexpected voices. Uh, can, can, can you tell me more about that? Where do you find, or where have you looked for unexpected voices? Where, where have you found them? Well, uh, I guess we found them in um, a school in Bethlehem um, where the, the young students um, all uh, wanted to take part and make a speech to the world. 
and they used to wait uh, for the internet connection to come up and they'd do a little speech and then the internet connection would fall off and and they they, they all came together to to, to give speeches about uh, Palestinian culture um, in very very difficult circumstances and that was incredibly moving um, and they were genuinely unexpected voices and they spoke um okay about palestinian culture and and their love of that but also with great humility about um you know the need to find compromise and the need to come together uh these are young people those, speaking this is yeah and those were sort of um sympathies i hadn't expected at all um we've had um uh, speakers from prisons in south africa and we're reaching out i hope um in 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 the next uh, few weeks and months to speakers in refugee camps to give them a voice not only for them to kind of feel that they do have a voice but to change people's opinions of of um, the nature of refugees and what they have to offer um it's it's um it, it, it's uh, it is a conscious effort to try and reach out to to un, uh, unexpected parts of the community where they would not normally make speeches, but they feel emboldened to do so. Yeah, you, you'd be a refugee centre or campus, the last place you would expect to find, yeah. to find public speakers. And yet, you know, people from all walks of life end up in, in very difficult circumstances in different parts of the world. Um, I'm sure that there's so much human potential there that's going to waste, really. Uh, that's it. It's it's um, it, if I'm you know some of the the camps can be you know with hundreds of thousands of people, um, uh, and one can um, only but imagine the talent that's actually there. The the they're probably many many highly educated, highly intelligent people, um, in a sense locked in by fate and destiny, and um, they've got enormous things to offer. Um, and wouldn't it be better to find a way to use that talent than uh, let the ideas go un unexplored? Um, and it does come back to this thought that progress is never linear. You know, we have to find a way to listen to new people um, and, and find a find a, a better way in in certain uh, certain. Uh, uh, um, experiences to 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 solve the future it's more important than than ever at the moment isn't it because of um you know these echo chambers that have developed uh so you know depending on your interests your political persuasion whatever um all of these machine learning algorithms that the likes of facebook and google use keep feeding you the same stuff uh reinforcing a, a smaller and smaller view of the world um, what you're doing is almost trying to break that. Um, yeah, I, well, I find that that sort of um, feeding you what you might be interested in um, uh, uh, dimension to technology is um, slightly disturbing. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not um, sort of anti-technology, but um, in any way, but uh, but uh, I think that's a probably retrograde and. Um, there is so much talent out there and so many diverse opinions that um, wh why don't we make use of them? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing we've lost with technology, isn't it? I mean, I, it's the reason I still like going to physical bookshops and just browsing because you never know what you're going to come across. Whereas if you do go to Amazon 
It's I, I couldn't things. agree more. It's only feeding you things that you've already read. Yeah. Um, it's one of the great pleasures in life to find um, find a, a really tremendous bookshop um, and, and uh, just to be able to sort of wander through uh, and, and discover things that uh, you just would not have come across otherwise. Um, uh, and I certainly hope so, for the future that, that, that somehow we, keep, we, we, we find a way to, to save the bookshops. Um, it, it's, not, it's not a hopeful situation with, with, with all of our technology. Um, but at the same no. time, it's, it's something worth saving. And, and also that whole, whole idea of diversity, that what makes um, a society move forward is diversity. Diversity of, of opinion, diversity of thought, diversity of people. Um, so that's a great strength and uh, that's what should be encouraged to flow forward. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I have to applaud you with, with, with World Speech Day. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very, very small part of helping to make that happen. Simon, yeah. thank you so much. This has been really, really great. Uh, really, really interesting talk. Um, it's really good to get a diverse uh, opinion from yourself, uh, someone who writes speeches um, rather than gives them. Um, and that's, that's a great perspective as well. Uh, so thank you very much for sharing that with us. Well, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Richard. Take care. All the best. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we'll wrap up another episode of Fireside with Boxgig. You can find notes and links from this podcast at boxgig.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter, Public Speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, one you could also learn. Visit boxgig.com slash newsletter to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email me, richard at boxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.